Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's uh, fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. So far. Great. Thank you, Sam. Uh, We're going to consider those verses this morning, but also a few others. Uh, So you might like to just jot them down as we work our way through, and you can refer back to them later. Uh, And, yeah, read what we've been referring to. Now, I've got to admit, uh, I'm a bit of a sucker when it comes to uh, hyped-up advertising campaigns, um, and particularly the ones, you know the ones you see on TV, the the infomercial ones, with all the really great gadgets? I don't know if you see those. I think they're amazing. They always do that, you know, buy now, we'll double the whole offer. Uh, I think they're great. <laughs> like, that, that twirly mop that you could see, with the, the, that was amazing. Um, that, that barrel grater, I just think that looks like, it, that could save me hours in the kitchen. Um, oh, just yet, there was a new one yesterday, the dustpan broom, and it's got a little swirler, and it sweeps and gathers at the same time. I think that's genius. Uh, I would love one. Um, Honestly, if I didn't have a sensible wife, our house would be full of this sort of stuff. Thankfully, I have a sensible wife. Um, But one one did sneak in, though. Uh, One snuck in a couple of months ago, and it's called the Air Hawk. Now, that's that's a great name already. You could buy it just for the name, the Air Hawk. Uh, And it promised promised to fulfil all your inflating needs around the house, your sports equipment, your bike tyres, your car tyres. It could do it all, and so conveniently. And so when I saw it on sale, uh, on the cheap rack for some strange reason, at Harris Scarf, <laughs> that was it, I had to. I had to have it, and I did. Uh, and let me tell you, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. Um, it's not that portable. It's not that powerful. Um, it's not that easy to use either. It fell far short uh, of the hype that I'd expected, and it's gathering dust underneath the cupboard. It's very disappointing. Now, do we expect do we expect the same of God's word? Uh, last week, if you were here, last week we heard it was all hype. Uh, sorry, we didn't hear that it was all hype, but we heard all hype about it. We heard it is powerful. We heard that it's always effective. We heard that it changes the world, that it gives life. We heard that it does all these incredible things. You know, that God's word is what we're all about because it is so amazing. But does it look like that? Does it feel like that on the ground where you and I live in our, in our regular, everyday Christian lives? Is it like that really? You know, we, we keep hearing sermons, we keep going to connect, maybe you keep reading the Bible in the morning or in the evening, and is it actually doing what it said it should do? Maybe you've been sharing God's Word with people you've, you're close to and And it just feels like hard going and maybe like you're going nowhere. Maybe you've been trying to speak it for years and it just feels like people don't listen. (laughs) 
or it doesn't seem to work as it's supposed to. You keep you know, having that great uh, post-conversation, post-mortem. Oh, if only I'd said, if, if only I'd asked that question or said that thing, then maybe that conversation would have turned out different. Is the word, though, is the word all hype? Or does it actually work? Does it actually work? Well, the answer is yes. Yes, it does. But we need to understand how. We need to understand how it does its work. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's uh, what we're going to be discussing. Our, our passage introduces it to us. Prayerfully depend. It's the second P in our The Growing Church series. Prayerfully depend. Now, first of all, some context. Uh, we read before from the book of Corinthians. It's a letter dealing with this young church. They're, they're quite new. Uh, and it sounds like a sort of church that would be kind of a mixed place to be. Um, as you read the letter, there's some really exciting things that are happening there. But there's also some real challenges for this church. And in this chapter in particular, Paul's writing to address one of those challenges. See, it seems there was an argument going on in this church. And the argument was, who is our guy? You know, who is the guy that we want to we want to really follow? We want to really talk about the most. Who who's the one? And you can kind of you can kind of hear them arguing through this passage. You know, some are saying, "Wow, well, Apollos! You know, he's the guy who's put in the hours. He's the one uh, who's been here for ages." And then you've got other people, and they're saying, "Ah, but Apollos! You know, he came second. It's all about Paul. You know, the original, the best. It's a Paul." And Paul wades into this argument in this chapter. And essentially what he says is, who cares? <laughs> who cares? That's a great way to cut an argument down, isn't it? Who cares? Look at verse 5. What after all is Apollos? And what's Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Who cares? That's his answer. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter who you are, all of us have the same place in this work. People give the conditions, people sow, people water, people tend and nurture, but it is God who gives the growth. God does the real work here. If, you, if you're going to ask anyone, God is your guy. Not Apollos, not Apollos, not Paul. God. He's the one who's really working in this situation. That's the secret. I mean, it's, it's a remarkable thing to say, isn't it? I mean, remember who's writing this. We're, we're talking about Paul here. Uh, Paul is the most successful missionary going around. He is uh, the one who has preached the gospel over uh, much of the known world at the time. He has seen heaps of people come to believe in Jesus. He's seen a whole stack of new churches being established. And yet he doesn't say, and that's because I'm awesome at my job. He doesn't say, that's because I'm so talented or such an effective speaker. He says all of that is because God gives growth. Paul spoke, yes, but God worked. And that's the point here. There is no word, uh, no, no special word, no special teacher, no special situation that brings growth of itself. 
There's no type of event, no special formula, no technique. None of those things in and of themselves will grow people or change people or bring them to Jesus. Only God can do that work. Only God does do that work. Now, if you stop to think about it for a moment, if you kind of reflect on that, it does actually make sense, doesn't it? I mean, after all, remember, we we talked about it last week. Remember the type of growth we're talking about here. We're talking about growth out, as in new people being added to God's people. We're talking about growth up, as in up into maturity. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about spiritual life from spiritual death. This is how uh, Ephesians 2, chapter 4, uh, verse 4 puts it. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And when we reflect on that, we say, well, how could you and I ever hope to do that? <laughs> we can't do that. But see, it's not just in the coming of people to Jesus, it's in the growing up of people in Jesus, isn't it? It's not just about learning new rules for life, it's about learning a new life. You know, the Bible talks about it as in killing the old self off. Here's, here's what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly, that is your old nature, and put on love. It says it, it too, not just the coming to faith is a life or death thing, but the growing in faith is a life or death thing. And therefore, it's not something that you and I can do for each other in and of ourselves, is it? I mean, we can't even do it for us. And we don't. Because God works through his word. When God's word is spoken or read or heard, God by his Holy Spirit goes to work by it. That's what Paul, what Paul celebrates with the church in Thessalonica. Uh, he visited them, he had about three weeks there speaking to them about Jesus and this is what he says in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians in uh, verse 5. He says, We know God's with you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. He's saying, it wasn't just us. God was working through his word. And therefore you, you were changed. You were brought to life in him. You were brought to know him. God gives growth. He works as his word is spoken. And it's because he's working that his word spoken is effective. And that gives us great confidence, doesn't it? Now, I, I can be a bit of a stress head, um, especially, you know, like you, you've got a deadline coming up to a big event or something special or uh, uh, unusual. I, you know, you worry about it. I, I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I know many of you do the same. Uh, I distinctly remember the, the night before our wedding, uh, lying in bed and just going through this mental checklist of all the things that I had done or hadn't done or had to do the next morning. Remember the guitar lead. Remember the CD with the song on it as we're walking out. Um, don't forget to pick up the groomsmen, get the corsages. We've got breakfast in the morning, etc. On and on it went. It was, it was a long and sleepless night. Stressing. Stressing about all these things that I was responsible for. And you know what? Thinking back now, a dozen, year, uh, yeah, a dozen years later, do you know what might have saved me from stressing? A wedding planner. <laughs> we, 
I can't believe we, 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 we didn't look at this. We should have had a wedding planner. Because, you know, you get a wedding planner, it's all in their hands. Organise it. I'll turn up. <laughs> that, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? I would love that. I don't need to worry. Their job to make it all happen. And what Paul is saying here in, in 1 Corinthians, what Paul is saying is here, when it comes to speaking God's word, we kind of have a wedding planner. That's not the perfect picture, I'll be honest. But we kind of have a wedding planner. We turn up, we do our part, speak the word, but God does the work. God makes it happen. God takes care of it all behind the scenes, makes it effective. God works. See, I, I cannot stress this enough, and you'll tie yourself into knots unless you understand this. But your job is not to make growth happen. I just want to repeat that because we get this wrong far too often. Your job, my job, is not to make growth happen. Believe me, if you try, you'll have more than sleepless nights. You'll, you'll break down. You cannot do it. Because God does. And God will. You cannot give spiritual life to someone. You cannot make them grow up in Jesus to maturity you cannot change their heart and it's not your job it's not my job either your job our job that God has given to us is simply speak the word speak the word water the word that is give the conditions for its growth by keeping on speaking and he will grow it he will bring growth. Because God works when his word is spoken. Now, not always as we hope. Not always even as we expect. But as we saw last week, always effective according to his good plan and his good purpose. He works as his word is spoken, as his plan is worked out. So, don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear stop you. Because it does, doesn't it? Uh, but I'm not really good with words. You know, not like, not like person X. They can speak, uh, I'll do. That, 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 that works. But it's funny, isn't it? It's funny, the Bible actually never talks like that, does it? The Bible doesn't say, yes, some of you are to speak and some of you are to do. To do. <laughs> Now, instead, the Bible says, as we saw last week, all of you speak. All of you. All of us. We're going to explore that more next week. Even, you know, stuttering types like Moses, even unimpressive types like Paul, all of us, the whole church, is to speak. Because, you see, underlying that excuse, you know, I'm not very good at words, underlying that, it's really fear, isn't it? I'm just not very good at speaking. I'm not good enough, in fact. Uh, I'll, I'll say the wrong thing. I'll fail. But, but here's the thing. It's what Paul's been saying, isn't it? It's not about you. It's never been about you. See what he said. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but God who gives the growth. So we need to repent of that fear. I'm not just pointing the finger here. It's, it's me as well. I need to repent of that fear. And trust his power. 
that he will work through his word. And it's the same for our regrets, isn't it? You know, those times we've, we've come out of the conversation and said, if, if only I'd said, or if only I hadn't said that and had said this instead. Man, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I'd thought that. But that's not the point, is it? God doesn't say, you know, I'll bring the growth if only you, you, know, you speak really eloquently and say all the right things. He doesn't say that. He says, when my word is broken, uh, is spoken, I'll bring the growth. Even through faltering and forgetful and scared people just like you and me. Now, of course, we should strive to speak, speak well. We should train ourselves. We should prepare ourselves to do that. But God works through his word. Uh, here's what J.I. Packer said, uh, church leader from a few years back. He said, there is no magic in methods, not even in theologically impeccable methods. Uh, when we evangelize, that is, speak God's word, our trust must be in God who raises the dead. So that's what we do. We trust and we speak then without fear. But because we trust, we also therefore speak with prayer. We speak with prayer. Because here's the good news. See, if, if God works through his word, if God is in control and able and willing and wanting to do that, if he brings growth by the working of his sovereign and mighty power, then us speaking the word, us evangelizing, it isn't just possible, is it? It actually becomes a sure thing. See, if God works through his word, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I mean, let's, okay, let's, let's flip that around for a moment. Imagine the alternative. Imagine God didn't work through his word and it was all up to you and all up to me. You know, you and I, we had to create growth in other people's lives. We had to, by our words, by our convincing, you know, drag them from where they are all the way to God. <laughs> It'd be desperate stuff, wouldn't it? It'd be awful. You, you would just never be confident of success. You know, each begrudging millimeter you drag them, you would worry. But that's not how God works. He does work. He does what we can't. He brings growth through his word and he does it by his sovereign power. And so because of that very fact, we're not only confident, but we're prayerful. So we have this funny thing, don't we, that, that prayer is you know, for those things that we can't be sure about. But, but actually the Bible says prayer is for those things that we are sure about, like the very fact that God will work. And so we pray. Now, do you, do you remember the old um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Before they you know, had dozens and dozens of contestants, you used to have one person who would work their way through all the questions uh, up to the big prize, theoretically. Um, but on the way, every contestant had their lifelines. You know, there was 50-50, you knock out half of the wrong answers, or there was poll the audience, which was useless because the audience were apparently always split on every single option. Uh, and then there, was, then there was the most useful one, I think, uh, phone a friend. You know, before you, you went in, you would have your own experts lined up uh, and waiting, um, either the, the cleverest people you knew or the fastest with Google, um, and you would call, and in their 30 seconds of a lot of time, hopefully they would be able to find uh, the right answer. Now, I remember, great in theory, uh, I remember 
watching uh, one contestant. You know, he was playing for, for reasonably big money by this point, uh, and he'd gotten to a question that he was a bit stumped by. You know, there was no time limit back then, so he was umming and ahhing and, you know, back and forth, which answers, which, which, and so on. And all the while, Eddie's going, you've got a lifeline, remember? You know, you've got Jan, we'll call her Jan. You've got Jan on the phone. Just call her. Maybe she'll be able to help you. you know? Don't forget, she's just there. And every time, this contestant's going, no, nah, not going to call her. Uh, not going to make that phone call. I just want to save that one for later, for when I'm really, really stuck, you know. And so they didn't. And eventually they, you know, puzzled their way to an answer and locked it in and were wrong. That's predictable, wasn't it? But see, to drag it out, Eddie called their friend. Eddie called Jan and asked her the question. And Jan got it right. <laughs> How stupid would you feel <laughs> on that drive home from the, the Channel 9 studios? How, how, how dumb would you feel, if only? Are we stupid too? Are we trying to make our own way, uh, trying to do the best we can without calling on God who is right there, who's not only promised to help her, but who said he is able and willing and wanting to help? See, God is in control. God brings growth. God is powerful and active when his word is spoken. So ask. It's, it seems so obvious that it doesn't almost need to be said, but it does, doesn't it? See, we don't futilely, just aimlessly give things a shot by ourselves. We don't just try and see what happens. We pray persistently, frequently, unceasingly. That's, that's the word Paul uses in one of his letters. We pray because God is in control, because God works, asking that he will. So is that you? Is, is that us? Are you praying? Praying before you come to church, you know, that the word would be effective this morning. Uh, praying when you open it for yourself or with other people, that God would do his work in that time by it. Do you find yourself praying before work or before school or before you meet with people whom you might have a chance to speak his word to? This is, uh, this is what James chapter 4, verse 2 says. It's perhaps one of the most cutting verses about prayer. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, we need to be careful about how we apply that. It's not a ticket to get whatever we want. But it is a promise that God answers his word, uh, answers prayer. You do not have because you do not ask. What a travesty that is. To have God's own power, God's promise, going to waste because we are too proud, too forgetful, too blind to ask. Now, of course, God does work aside from prayer. Um, it's not as if he's bound to the prayer of his people, just waiting as if that was the only way he could work. But in his incredible wisdom, he chooses to work. And most often he chooses to work through the prayers of his people, 
I mean, it's, it seems incredible, but that is the way he chooses. Using our fumbling and forgetful and so often misled and wandering prayers in his beautiful and, and awesome and wonderful plan to bring life and growth to many through his word. Now, it's not a guarantee. I mean, we remember God works according to his good plan, not ours. Not everything we pray for will happen. Not everyone you pray for to come to Jesus will. But there's nothing to lose in asking, is there? Do you remember the, the parable Jesus told in uh, Luke chapter 18 of uh, the persistent widow? You know, she's the hostile judge and she wants justice and she's banging on his door all, all hours of the day and the night and she gets it. And it, Jesus is not saying, you know, that's what God is like. He's saying, how much better is God? He's not a judge who, you know, resents us. He's a father who loves for us, uh, loves us and cares for us. He's a father who's promised us that he will work through his word as we call on him in prayer. See, if we truly believe that only God can bring growth, if we truly believe that only God can change people, then we have to pray to him, don't we? In fact, just how much we believe those things will be reflected in our prayer life, won't it? So what does your prayer life say about what you believe of God? If someone else was to look at the way you pray, what, what would they conclude that you believed of God? Does a lack of prayer reflect a doubt that God works or that God will work? Does it reflect an underlying belief or an underlying fear that actually it's just all up to you? Or does your prayer life testify that you trust that God gives growth? Please pray. Please be a church of prayer. Pray for, pray for me, pray for anyone who leads and preaches and teaches the word, uh, that when that word is spoken, it will be effective, that God will work through it and grow people. Pray for the, the ministries and the works of our church. That as the word spoken there, as relationships are built where the word can be spoken, that much fruit will be born of that by God's power. Pray for your non-Christian contacts. Pray for our non-Christian contacts. That the word that they have heard, that you hope that they will hear, that you speak, that it will be effective. And that God will powerfully and wonderfully do what you and I just can't don't be discouraged if it looks like there's no results keep praying and remember God answers that prayer in his own time in his own place but he does do it so pray ask yourself where's where's one place one way that you can improve your prayer life this week not just hmm, I'd like to do this at some point but what's one thing that you can do that, this week maybe a, a, a new time for prayer maybe a regular time for prayer because you've always struggled with that maybe it's committing yourself to praying for particular things particular people maybe 
it's joining a prayer meeting, like one we heard about just before. Maybe that time doesn't work for you, so maybe it's up to you to start one. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Grab one or two other people and pray. <laughs> I mean, that, that's not too hard. God works through his word. And because he works, we pray for him to work. Because we long for our church to grow, don't we? Not just so we can have a bigger church, that's a silly thing. But we long for our church to grow because of what that represents. It represents lives saved, people knowing God, people growing in God. I, I, I long for that, I hope you do too. I long to see you all grow in your walk with Jesus. <laughs> I long to see dozens more people here. I, I, actually, I want to order more chairs <laughs> so that we can fill them. But we can't do that and make that happen. I can't do that and make that happen. We, we don't have the power. We don't have the means. But we do have a powerful word. And we do have a powerful God who promises to work through that word. A powerful God who chooses so often to work through his people's prayers. So what are we waiting for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the enormous reassurance that these words are for us. Father, all of us at, at one time or another have just felt so powerful, uh, powerless, sorry, as we, we long to see people change, but we just cannot make that happen. We long to see people learn Jesus, but we just can't get them over that. Uh, we, we just can't seem to make it. But Father, you remind us it's not about us. It's not about us. We simply plant, we simply speak, and you grow. You promise to bring growth because you are sovereign and powerful. You are working your plan out all around us and in us. Father, we thank you for that assurance. We pray that that truth may be reflected in our church and in our lives as we pray to you. Father, we pray that we would be a people utterly dependent on you, not constantly falling back on ourselves, but falling on our knees and, and, and crying out to you that you would work. Father, we pray that you would please work through your word amongst us and uh, amongst our community as we speak your word. Lord, may you do that today. May you do it in our connects. May you do it in the conversations we have. May you work powerfully. We long to see your church grow. We long to see people saved. People grow closer and closer to you. Father, may you do that.